Let us continue in the spirit of prayer for a moment. Lord, we thank you so much for your presence that is here in this place. <clears throat> we thank you for the ways that your sweet presence speaks to us, catches our attention, melts us and molds us. For even the ways that your sweet presence convicts us, but in convicting us, you turn us into your grace, towards your grace and your mercy. That you are not a God of fear or condemnation, but in you there is freedom. So Lord, we pray that the spirit of freedom would move in our hearts this morning. We pray for the spirit of surrender. Have your way, Lord. In your name we pray. <clears throat> Amen. I really dislike the phrase, don't worry, be happy. Have you ever sat with someone after pouring your heart out to them, and they just look at you and say, well, just don't worry about it. There's so much to be happy about. Don't worry, be happy. And you think, did you not just hear what I said? All the anxieties and worries that I have and the reality of my life, don't worry, be happy. I once heard someone say that getting rid of worry is somewhat like getting rid of an old garbage can. And that really resonated with me. When my husband and I lived uh, here on the East Coast in upstate New York, Jeff tried to get rid of a garbage can one day. It was an old, beat-up garbage can, one of those metal ones with holes on the bottom and stuff would fall out if you lift it up. And so he decided that we needed to get rid of it and throw it away. And so one day when it was trash time, he put it out there inside another trash can, hoping that the doubled up trash can, that the garbage men or women would understand that they should take the old beat up garbage can and put it there in the garbage truck. Well, the first week went by and they were unable or they didn't or they didn't get the memo that they should take the garbage can. So the second week, Jeff put it next to the newer garbage cans with the sign that said, garbage, please take me. Once again, the garbage men or women did not get the memo there, and so week three goes by and Jeff was just about over it. He wanted to get rid of that old, nasty, torn up garbage can. And so like a moment in the office space, if you've ever seen that movie, he took a baseball bat and he just beat that garbage can down and crushed it inside of another garbage can. And at last there was victory and he was able to get rid of that old beat up garbage can. Worry is kind of like that old beat-up garbage can at times. We want to get rid of it, but sometimes we just don't know how. And the reality is college students today, millennials today, and people in general are stressed. We are worried about a lot of things not to mention the political climate in our world as visceral and polarizing as it is. There is much that we are worried about. 
On top of that, you have deadlines, you have bills to pay, you have papers to write, you have commitments to make. And interestingly, as we continue to walk through the Sermon on the Mount this week, Jesus puts a halt to worry and invites us, instead of worrying, to have a single-minded focus on Him. Listen what He says in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow or reap or store away in barns? And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. Do they not labor or spin? Yet I tell you, that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed in one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, and thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. For many who are overwhelmed, bombarded even, with worry and anxiety, this might be a difficult passage almost a severe passage for some of us to swallow. Yeah, sure, okay, Jesus, don't worry, be happy, but have you seen everything that is on my plate? Have you seen everything that I have to spend? Worry and anxiety seeps deeply into our lives and our bones. It grips our hearts, and it even paralyzes us at times. In another passage, Jesus describes worry like this. He says, worry is the one who hears the word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, and the desire of other things. So no fruit is produced. Here Jesus is referring to worry that is so significant, that is so heavy, that is so severe, that even crowds out us being able to hear and understand and receive the teachings of Jesus. It's the one who comes to church or comes to chapel week after week and you hear the word of God, you hear the good news of Jesus proclaimed, and yet you are just too bombarded by the worries and concerns of this world that it's crowded out, choked out. It's the one who says, yes, I believe that God is a personal God. I believe that God is with me, and yet the worries of this world crowd that message out. It chokes out, crowds out our hearts, and it crowds out this single-minded focus that Jesus is inviting us to have. And so I'd like to look at this through a lens of a visual with you this morning. Many of you might be sitting here this morning thinking, yeah, I am stressed. 
My heart does feel crowded. My heart does feel bombarded because sometimes many of you sitting in this room worry about whether or not you are good enough. Whether or not you are good enough. This is a lie that seeps into many of us, if not most of us, and if not all of us at one point in our lives where we begin to believe that we aren't good enough academically or physically and week after week we size ourselves up in the mirror or we size ourselves up against other people and we begin to believe that we are not good enough. We think about all the things that we should change or could change, and if we could just change this or if we could just change that, if we could just be better here, then then everything would be okay, and we worry about it. We lose sleep over it, and we sometimes ache deeply over it. We also often worry about our purpose in this life. This is a worry that many college students experience as we stress over what major to choose. What is going to be my future, or what is my purpose, or what if I missed out on my purpose, or what if I choose the wrong major, or what if God really has no purpose for me in this life? What if my life is one big accident? And we worry about it, we lose sleep over it, and we sometimes ache deeply over it. We also worry a lot about our past. We obsess at times over decisions that we have made. What if I wouldn't have made that decision? What if I had chosen a different school? What if I hadn't hurt that person? What if I hadn't messed up? What if God won't forgive me for my past mistakes? And we worry about it. We lose sleep over it. We obsess over it, and we sometimes ache deeply over it. And then we worry about something called my precious for Lord of the Rings watchers. This could include a rainbow of possibilities, a rainbow of things that we hold close, that we hoard, that we hang on to as tightly, and we imagine all the what-if scenarios if we were to lose those things that are my precious. Family, money, objects people, relationships, opportunities. Just what if I lose it? And we worry about it. We lose sleep over it. And we sometimes ache deeply over it. And we worry a lot about comfort. I believe that this is a worry that us in the Western world worry about a little bit too much. We're afraid of being uncomfortable. We're afraid of being pushed. We're afraid of being stretched. We're afraid of stepping into the unknown. We're afraid of doing things that might just take us a little bit out of the places that are known or... Perhaps it's to mend a broken relationship or to pursue a job or step into a calling that seems difficult or to help a neighbor that is in need or to strike up a conversation that just needs hope. And and we worry about losing comfort and we lose sleep over it and we sometimes ache deeply over it. We also worry about failure. Many of us in this room have big dreams. Many of us in this room think about possibilities of our future, but we're too afraid to step into those possibilities. We're too afraid to step into those dreams because all of those what ifs, what if I fail, what if I mess up? 
What if I don't get this right? What if I don't hit the mark? And so we squelch our dreams and we worry about it. We sometimes lose sleep over it and we ache deeply over it. And we worry also often about forgiveness. We think about our past, we think about our past mistakes, about the things we've done, and we approach God in fear, and maybe we avoid God altogether because we think, if I approach God, then I'm just gonna feel condemnation and guilt, and what if God would never forgive me for the things that I've done? And so, we worry about it, we lose sleep over it, and we sometimes ache deeply over it. Many of us in this room are plagued with addictions. We worry about these addictions that plague our heart, our life, our mind, our focus, our everything. And we wonder, will this addiction ever be eradicated from my life? What if this is always gonna be the thorn in my side? What if I lose my family and friends over this? What if my entire future is ruined? And what if God can't really redeem me and set me free from this addiction? And we allow this light to seep into our hearts. We worry about it. We lose sleep over it. And we sometimes ache deeply over it. And then we worry about the skeletons in our closet. You know those things that we hide. We're afraid to be vulnerable before others. Because if my fellow Christians or if my fellow friends really knew the truth of who I was, then surely I'll lose them. What if I get found out? What if my past gets out of the bag? What if? And we worry about it. We lose sleep over it. And we sometimes ache deeply over it. And Jesus said, it's the one who hears the word of God, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. Crowded out. Crowded out by the worries of this life. Crowded hearts. And we sometimes wonder then, we sometimes wonder then, why we can't hear God. Crowd it out. Worry in its original meaning, in the original Greek word, literally means to have a divided mind. Divided. Crowd it out. I know for me, when worry really begins to crowd out my heart and really seep deeply into my heart, it does divide my mind, and I then take my eyes off of Jesus. Several years ago, when I was a full-time seminary student in full-time ministry with two little ones at home, I had much on my plate. And there was much that I was often worried about, many deadlines to meet on top of believing that somehow I needed to be the perfect mom and the perfect wife as well as the perfect preacher, as well as the perfect theologian and straight-A student. Nonetheless, there were plenty of things that slipped through the cracks in my personal life, and one of those silly things was laundry. 
that became the thorn in my side. You see, Jeff and I, we were able to do our laundry. We put it in the washer and we put it in the dryer and then we would put it inside of the laundry basket and we'd bring it upstairs and we would dump it onto our bed and it would stay there. Anyone else? And this would go on for weeks where eventually there was a mountain of laundry and it was in the middle of February and one night I walked into my room just feeling completely depleted, completely exhausted and overwhelmed by all the deadlines and I walked into my room and I saw that mountain of laundry and the first word that came to my mind was failure. Because if you were a good mom... You wouldn't be digging for socks for your kids every single morning off of your bed. If you were a good mom and a good wife, you would put these clothes away. But I was exhausted, and so just like every night, I climbed into my bed, and I got underneath that mountain of laundry, and I laid there, and I started to get more frustrated, mainly because I was hot underneath that mountain of laundry. And anxiety and worry and all these words of failure, failure was taking over my mind and not good enough. And as I laid there under that now mountain of not just laundry, but a mountain of worry and a moment of desperation, I cried out, Jesus, I need you. And there I heard just a holy whisper, not audible, but just a holy whisper, Come to me, Tara, Beth. And in that moment, I began to see things in a totally and completely new life because I don't know about you, but when I look to Jesus and I see those skeletons in my closet, I am reminded that even God knows the number of hairs in my head. And I don't know about you, but when I look to Jesus and I feel like I am plagued with some sort of addiction in my life, I am reminded of what the Psalm this writes, call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you. And I don't know about you, but when we begin to worry about whether or not God could forgive us, I am reminded in the good news that John writes in 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, where he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. And I don't know about you, but I, when I begin to worry about my future and how it's all going to come together, I am reminded what Jesus says when he says, don't worry about tomorrow for today has enough trouble of its own. Seek first the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but when I'm worried about whether or not I'm going to be uncomfortable and pushed into a new territory, I am reminded that God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but he has given us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. And I don't know about you, but I, when I am worried about finances or the things that we call my precious, I am reminded that God even cares for the birds in the air. And I don't know about you, but when I am worried about my past and how to make sense of it, I am reminded that the Spirit renews our thoughts and attitudes and invites us to put on a totally new nature. And I don't know about you, but when I worry about my future, I am reminded of the proverb that says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And finally, when I worry about whether or not I'm good enough, and I believe in all of those lies, but then when I look to Jesus, 
I'm reminded of what the psalmist says, I praise you for I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. Friends, this morning my heart is heavy for all of us. Our hearts and our minds are crowded out by much. And I wonder if we forget what it looks like and what it means to live this full and free life that God has to offer us in His kingdom and His glorious and free kingdom. Yes, my dear ones, the worries of this world are real. Yes, there are injustices that plague us, and we do lament and we do cry out. But in our lament and our grief, the God who says, come to me all who are weary, we can know that he is with us in our grief and lament, and he invites us, even in our grief and lament, to step into the full and free life that he has to offer us. Several years ago, we took both of our boys to Disney World. And leading up to it, we tried to help them understand how glorious and how amazing Disney World was gonna be. We would show them pictures and, and we would tell them, we are going to the happiest place in all of the world. And as we were on our way on the airplane, very long airplane ride, our youngest son Noah started to get really sick. And in fact, it happened so fast. Those of you who are parents in this place might be able to relate. But there's something in a parental instinct, if you will, that when a child gets sick and you're close to them, something in you just goes in for the catch. And I had that moment where my son was getting sick and I just went in for the catch. I didn't grab for a bag, I just went for it. And there in that moment, as we're on the airplane, experiencing all sorts of turbulence and difficulty, my son was just getting sicker and sicker, and my hands were just getting grosser and grosser. And eventually, he was crying because he was sick. I was crying because I was miserable, embarrassed, because I looked five rows up, and even five rows up, people were covering their noses. As I sat there with him, I pulled him close to me and I said, Noah, it's gonna be okay. Because number one, your mommy's with you. I'm here. And number two, we are going to the happiest place <laughs> on earth. <laughs> the good news is, friends, is even in a world gone terribly awry and broken, in a visceral and polarizing world. The good news is the promise of Revelation 21 and 22 that declares that we are going to the greatest place, the new heaven and the new earth, where there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more broken bodies, no more division, no more, di no more racism, but it will be a world of joy and hope. And so, dear ones, even in your worries and anxieties, we can have hope. And the God that says, I am with you and we are going somewhere. And we're almost there.
And so he invites all to come. Come who are thirsty. And he will give you rest. So this morning as the worship team comes forward, I want to invite you to respond in whatever posture makes sense. Perhaps you want to come to the altar and maybe one of these boxes are yours. Maybe after service you want to take a box with you as a symbol. Maybe you want to come to the altar and bring whatever your box represents and give it to the Lord. Or maybe it's just standing in complete surrender. Or maybe it's kneeling right there. Maybe it's just entering into a posture of prayer. We just want you to respond as God first engages you for you to respond to him in a posture of saying, I'm letting go, Lord. I surrender to you. Have your way.